God who has complete sovereign control over everything in the whole universe, who made it with the voice of his mouth and it was in existence. Who are we that you are mindful of us? And yet you do, you bend down to us. And you care about every little concern in our life. You ask us to cast every care upon you. Because you love us. And you loved us so to send your son, Jesus, to show us what God would look like, who he is in human flesh, to die for our sins, to make us right with you. And now we come as your people together to worship you today for how great and amazing and majestic you are. So guide us now as we think about your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It is good to be with you in this day online. We are so thankful that so many of you are gathering with us. It's quite an interesting day for all of us in so many ways. Those of us who are pastoral types are now trying to be TV and media types. It's an interesting thing. And uh, we are working hard to try to communicate well and trying our best to stay in touch with you. We want to know your concerns and your cares these days so we can pray for you and minister to you in every way we possibly can. Uh, But one of the best ways to minister, I think, in these days is to hear from God and to preach his word and to listen to it and respond as his spirit speaks to us. And so this morning we will continue our series in the book of Acts. We are in Acts chapter 19 this morning. If you have a Bible with you and want to turn there, or if you just want to listen and enjoy as I read sections of scripture from this chapter, uh, we will do that this morning. So I'm going to share just three ideas this morning from Acts chapter 19. And the first one is this, really basic, but really important, is that Christians help others follow Jesus. Christians help others follow Jesus. We call that multiplication. Listen to Paul as he does this very thing in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 19. He says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus, and there he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now here's Paul, and he's in Ephesus. And in fact, this chapter, we're just going to be in Ephesus all here today. It's a city on the west coast of modern-day Turkey, and he finds some disciples, people who are interested in walking with Jesus, how to know him and how to live for him. And so he begins to ask them about their walk with Jesus. And he asks them, do they know the Holy Spirit? Have they received the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we haven't. And Paul begins to explain that to them. And in fact, demonstrates that by laying on hands and they receive the Holy Spirit. And he is teaching this truth, that those who believe in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, that all who believe in Jesus are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says that this is the very identity of a person who believes in Jesus, that they have the Holy Spirit in them. That Jesus himself comes and lives in them through the Holy Spirit. And if there ever is a day that we need to learn to walk and live in the Holy Spirit, this is that day. And so Paul is teaching the people how to follow Jesus, how to walk 
with him. Now, as we look at verses 8 through 10, we find that people respond in a variety of different ways. When you teach people truth, truth from the scriptures, things that God teaches us, sometimes they respond positively. And sometimes, in verse 8, it says they were stubborn. They resisted and did not want to listen. But regardless, there are always God's people who want to hear his word, people who want to hear truth and will receive it and will grow from it and become better followers of Christ. And what a thrill that all of us as Christians, all of us get to help others follow and walk with Jesus in a better way by sharing truth with each other. Uh, Earlier this month, I had a good friend of mine who's now in his uh, mid-40s, actually. His name's Tim. And he came to town to do some ministry work. And I remember the first time I met Tim. He was a uh, high school junior. And uh, he was sitting at the end of the bench in the basketball team. (laughs) Floppy little blonde hair. Never got to play. And as I met him and got to know him, I thought, you know, I don't know if he's going to amount to much in life, to be honest. And, uh, and yet, as he grew up in Christ and came to know him as Savior, and as he ended up into his adult years, uh, he became very interested in learning about Christ. And I remember sitting with him and several of his friends, kind of at this bachelor pad. There was actually two tiers of couches in this living room that these guys had set up to watch football. And, but I would come, and I would sit there on the floor, and, and these guys would line up in these two couches and listen to me teach them about how to walk with Jesus. And this day now, he came back this last month, or this, this month, earlier this month, and now he has his PhD in apologetics, how to defend Christianity, and he's taking college kids to campuses here in this city to teach them how to share Jesus with people. Isn't that remarkable? And so all of us, every one of us, get the chance to actually impart our lives into others to help them learn how to grow in their faith and become what God wants them to be. So let's be attuned to this these days. Let's be available to help one another. All of us have learned some things that have helped us walk well with God. And that when they are shared with somebody else, light bulbs go on for them. It helps them. It gives them grace to serve better. And particularly in these challenging times and in these challenging days, when you encounter a difficulty that you're having, ask somebody that you respect that's a Christian that maybe has a few more years ahead of you. Let them help you. Or be attuned to those who are struggling and share with them. Come alongside with them. Show them what you are learning in these days. All of us have something to share and we need each other in these days. It's so important as I think about my walk with Christ these days to remember that Jesus is with me. He's for me, right? Though weeping may be for the night, joy will come in the morning. Though I am being tested, I will come forth as gold, Job said. The path of the righteous man grows brighter day by day. God will not bring us this far to drop us on our head. He is with us and will carry us through to the very end. So let's be Christians who help others follow Jesus. Second of all, this morning, following Jesus requires transformation, not fascination. Following Jesus requires transformation, not fascination. Listen, verses 11 to 12. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, 
so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now this is an extraordinary thing. These are extraordinary miracles. They're called extraordinary miracles. They're unusual. And sometimes God does these kinds of things. And we need to remember as we read the book of Acts and we see these things that some things are describing the story, some things are prescribing for us things to do. And I believe in these kind of settings, it is not prescribing that we should go do this same thing, but it's describing what was happening in unusual ways. But let's remember that God is a God who does unusual things. And maybe in this day, we say, God, would you do a miracle amongst us? Would you do a miracle in this nation? Would you do a miracle in this world? Would you stop this virus? We can trust our God to do amazing things. But I want us to see that the responses of the people, once again, some were transformed, and we'll see that in a moment, but others were simply just fascinated. Verse 13 says this, And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. Here were people that didn't believe in Jesus. They were people that were just itinerant exorcists, it says. There were seven of them, but they had no interest in following Jesus. They were just fascinated by the power that Jesus had. They were fascinated by the power of the Spirit. And they were interested in the benefit that it might bring them, the financial benefit it might bring them, but they were not interested in following Jesus in the least. And let's see what happens to them. If they're just going to be fascinated and not really surrender to Christ, listen to what happened. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Now that's what it looks like when you dabble with Jesus and don't give your life to him. Let's be people who do what now we're going to see the true believers did and that is that they repented and they trusted and they were fully surrendered to Christ. Listen. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. I want us to see that God wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want us just to be fascinated with him, but he wants us to give our lives to him, to surrender to him. He wants a relationship where he is God, and we are his people, we are his children. A relationship of love and grace where we obey him. And that when we see God at work, and when we hear his word, we respond, and we submit in awe, And in love, we have a heart of repentance. And this is what these believers did is they took their books of magic and their books of witchcraft and they burned them because they knew that they were wrong. They were evil. They were satanic. Because see, to be a Christian means that when God speaks to us and we hear his voice and that voice of conviction comes into our heart, we repent and we turn And we come back to him because what it means to be a Christian is to submit to Jesus as Lord. In fact, the Bible says that those who are saved are those who say, they confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. 
And they believe in their heart that God has raised them from the dead. And when they do, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, they will be saved. And God's aim for us and for our heart and for our lives is to bring ourselves into conformity to him. In a little devotion that I wrote this week to our church family out of Romans 5, I pointed out that even the struggles and the sufferings of life teach us. They build our character. They give us hope. They teach us of God's love. And so in these days, I believe that God is trying to get our attention. That he wants us to come back to him. To find him to be our refuge. To give our lives to him. To trust in him. He is our only hope. To surrender our lives to him and become a more holy people. He's doing that work in my heart. I hope he's doing that in yours. Well, finally this morning, I want us to look at one more truth. And that is this. That following Jesus requires removing idols from our lives. Following Jesus requires removing idols from our lives. Let's look at verses 23 to 26. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. That was the Christians at the time. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together and the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, that this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. Okay, this requires just a little bit of historical setting. We are in Ephesus, and Ephesus had the temple to the Greek god Artemis. It was a large temple. Uh, it is the goddess of fertility. Sometimes this, pers- this, this goddess is referred to as Diana. Uh, and you see in this verse, in these verses that we read, that there was great wealth that was coming to the people, especially to the silversmiths who were making little statues of Diana. And so as Paul comes and he teaches about Christ and says there is only one true God, the people were repenting and turning away from their idols. And so they weren't buying these little idols these silversmiths had made. And now their wealth was being threatened. Their way of life was being threatened. And it threw them into confusion. They were freaking out because they were losing their business. But I want us to notice that what happened to these people were they became enraged and they became confused. Listen, when they heard this, they were enraged and they were crying out. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with the confusion. See, this chapter exposes the problem of the human heart. That the human heart is given to idols. There is only one God who is worthy of worship. Who is to have the central place in our lives. There is one God who is to be first in our devotion and in our love. We are to put our hope in him and our confidence in him above all things. We are to find our primary purpose and fulfillment in him primarily. But we are inclined to give other things that place in our life. In this case, it was their money. Their wealth was being taken away. In this case, they were giving themselves to the worship of Artemis, who was not even a god at all, just theirs. 
And there's this face-off between Jesus and Artemis going on. And I want you to notice what happens. That those who followed Jesus were filled with joy and filled with peace. And those who followed Artemis were enraged and confused. This is instructive. When we put Jesus in the center of our heart, we have peace. When we put something else there, it brings confusion to our existence. Idols cannot stand the test of time, no matter what they are, and it could be any number of things. They will make us look stupid. They, the Bible says we'll be shamed by them because they will not satisfy the human heart. Only Jesus can satisfy the human heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve both God and money. You gotta serve one or the other. God is the one who needs to be center in our life. If we hope in Jesus, we are secure. If, like these people in this story, put their hope in money, it'll be anxiety, confusion, uncertainty, frustration. So let's learn where we're going to put our hope, where we're going to put our confidence, where we're going to put our trust. A couple weeks ago, I was laying in a hospital bed, about ready to go into surgery. And I was laying there, and I was thinking about the things I was struggling with, with my health, and I was thinking about the world and its situation, and I was wondering if I'm going to be able to work well, you know, with the surgery I was having. I was concerned, and quite honestly, I was a bit shaken. I was. I was concerned. And then as I lay there, God was speaking to me about how much He loves me, and He's with me, and He's for me, He's first in my life. And through all of that uncertainty, my soul came to rest in Christ. That's the beauty of having Christ center in our lives. And that's the challenge for us this morning from this text. Will we be people who put Jesus at the center? Will we be people who trust in Him? Will we be people who walk with Him first and foremost? So many things in life can be enjoyed and loved and embraced even in these days. But we must keep Jesus first and center. Will you do that this morning? Let's pray. And Father, I ask that as we come to you today, and everybody that's listening over the internet now, that Father, they would put Jesus first in their life. And if you would like to say, Jesus, I want you to be first and center, pray this prayer. God, I know I am prone to going my own way, but I know you love me and I know you sent Jesus to die for my sins please forgive me for going my own way Jesus I ask you to come in and be Lord of my life to be first and center and Father may that be the hearts of all of us even those of us who are Christians today when we move the idols aside and put Jesus at center we pray in Jesus name Amen Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let a rescue begin. Come find your mercy, for sinner come near. Earth has no sign.